You've heard of Grammarly, and you might think it's a fancy spell check, but people on your team have been using it and loving it for years because it does way more than you realize. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that works seamlessly across apps and websites and can write an instant first draft in a few clicks, not a few hours. When every word your team writes is clear, concise and on brand, companies can save 19 days per employee per year. Learn what better writing can do for your company at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said, done. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide in Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Caroline Hyde and Ed Ludlow. I'm Caroline Hyde at Bloomberg's world headquarters in New York. And I'm Ed Ludlow in San Francisco. This is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up, we count you down to the Fed rate decision and get a real look, a view on the state of the banking system and if fintechs have helped speed up deposit flight, adding to crisis concerns. We're going to dive deep into the world of venture capital and speak with Sequoia general partner Constantine Bueller and Coastal Ventures founder Vinod Kosla. Plus, how malware operators are cashing in on the AI hype to target your businesses. We'll talk ChatGPT and cybersecurity with Meta's head of security later this hour. Let's turn towards, of course, what else the Federal Reserve is really trying to navigate, how you can hike rates amid what is an ongoing banking crisis, in part brought through, of course, higher interest rates. Also, though, is there a bit of an acceleration in some of these crises because of the ease with which we can pull cash out of our deposits? Joining us now to discuss all of this, Candice Nonas, RGP Managing Consultant. You've got, what, 16 years in career of risk management. You worked at the FDIC. Candice, I put it to you of how much of a worry is, at the moment, fintech is the ability with which we can withdraw our deposits from banks. Does that sort of speed up some of the anxiety and the crisis cycles we're seeing? Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, It certainly plays a role. Um, I think we have fintech technology to pull out our deposits very quickly. But what really is the problem with this particular banking crisis is the high concentration of uninsured deposits. Mm. We have banks, uh, Silicon Valley Bank had over 90% exposure to uninsured deposits. And by their very nature, uninsured deposits are not sensitive to uh, the Fed insurance, the FDIC insurance, rather they're very opportunistic. So they move fast to on to a better opportunity or they get spooked and they kind of all move in tandem. And that's what we saw in this most recent uh, banking crisis. Are you expecting a change to whether all deposits end up being insured by the FDIC? Well, if all deposits end up being insured by the FDIC, that means that the uh, FDIC bank fees, the fees that the FDIC charges for deposit insurance is going to have to increase and is going to have to be distributed differently um, among banks. I mean, 
I suppose that's an option. But I think that there are so many more uh, prudent decisions that can be made beforehand to improve supervision, including the use of technology and supervision, such that we don't have to insure all deposits. It kind of really doesn't make sense when there are so many other interim things that you can do, the regulators can do. And if you've read their most recent reports by both the Fed and the FDIC, they admitted their shortfalls. They admitted mm. their shortfalls. But I think that that can be ameliorated with the use of technology, among other things. Interesting. Ed, almost technology at the heart of this, but also what's at the heart is the fact that we have neobanks, fintech, able to offer higher returns. Ed, to that extent, we're seeing a bit of a stampede. It keeps being the watchword. Yeah, stampede or herd mentality. I mean, Candice, I go back to what happened with SVB and more recently with First Republic that it's an issue of confidence, right? Depositors lose confidence and pull their money. The point that Caroline raised this morning is so smart that now you have so many means, technologically speaking, to transfer funds. I just want you to try and give us some granularity on how much that has changed the game, how much it's contributed to the risk of a bank run. Oh, I think it's contributed greatly to the risk. I mean, you can have a bank run from your cell phone is kind of what you're suggesting. Back in the olden days, people stood in line and waited for the banks to open in order to pull out their physical cash. Now you can have a bank run from your living room. So I don't think I, payments are not going to slow down. Payment technology, fintech technology, that's not going to slow down. I think as a result of that, risk managers need to be more prudent with regard to their concentration and their distribution of exposures of things like uninsured deposits. So you're going to continue to have advances in payments. I think they're healthy for the economy in a lot of ways. They make our lives as consumers very convenient. But that's not going to change. And we're still going to be exposed to the risk of rapid withdrawals from banking financial institutions, given our ease with which we can do it. Candice, what have you been advising your clients since Silicon Valley collapsed, since First Republic was acquired by JP Morgan? What have you told them to do from a tech perspective? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, this is unlike our last crisis where it was a credit crisis. This is an asset liability mismatch. And we always advise our clients, um, even despite this. And admittedly, we work with, with the more larger and mid-sized clients in my particular space, but we always advise them to be stay on top of stress testing and be very prudent about managing your risk and managing your exposures to shift in the macroeconomic market, uh, look for macro hedges to um, whatever it is that you're taking exposure to. We're still giving the same good risk management advice, despite what's going on here in the market, because these things were foreseen and they continue to be uh, able, you can, you can gauge them. Um, and that's what we're advising our banking clients to do. All right, Candice Nonis of RGP, thank you so much for your time. Now, coming up, what to make of the rapid evolution in the generative AI space? We'll bring you that conversation with Sequoia Capital partner and AI expert, Constantine Bueller. Caroline. Yeah, and of course, Ed, we've got to keep our eyes on all things chips, on all things AMD after a really tepid set of numbers coming out of what is the second biggest PC chip maker. And we know the woes. We know the concern about the PC market. We saw it in Intel. We move it to AMD. But all eyes there from Qualcomm after the bells as that particular chip maker has really diversified perhaps away from just PCs. We're off by more than eight and a half percent. This is Bloomberg.
What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop, customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Let's talk artificial intelligence with AI pioneer Jeffrey Hinton leaving Google and adding his voice to a growing chorus of experts, really warning about the dangers of AI. What does this mean, his departure for Alphabet's efforts and its DeepMind AI lab? Well, DeepMind CEO Demis Hassabis sat down with Bloomberg Originals and talked about how the industry is not just losing people, but also attracting a lot of talent. Just take a listen. It's an incredibly dynamic field right now. Um, All sorts of new things happening, research going on. Um, You know, literally, I would say in the last six months, probably hundreds of thousands of people, very talented engineers and others have got into the field. Um, You know, uh, I think they've come from many other fields and they've decided maybe they weren't interested in AI for long, you know, until very recently, but they've decided this is a a great growth point. And so that's brought in um, a lot of energy into the space and a lot of dynamic uh, ideas. And so even for us who are, you know, right in the middle of it, it's hard to keep track of all of that at once. So you have to try and take into account and, and, and look at the, the main trends and the main threads and sort of focus on that, I would say. Um, but it's, you know, it's almost like you need an AI system to help you keep track of all, all of the developments that are going on. Google DeepMind CEO, Demis Hassabis. And you can watch more of that interview on Bloomberg's Originals AI IRL and stream new episodes Wednesdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, 5.30 Pacific time. Let's keep the conversation going about AI with Sequoia Capital partner Constantine Bueller, who's been immersed in the world of AI for a decade already. We've got some catching up to do with you. That was an interesting move because the history of AI is very closely tied with DeepMind. They've kind of brought Google and DeepMind together. You heard Demis there. Can I just get your reaction to, to the landscape and that in particular? 
Absolutely. First, thanks, Ed, for having us. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here always. Um, so we are in the middle of an incredible revolution in AI. It is probably most similar to the personal computer revolution of 40 years ago. And, and Demis alludes to this briefly in his comment when he says, we're in the middle of something very big here. Why do I say personal computer revolution? Because of the impact it's having. Imagine right before the personal computer revolution, you were a typist. And every time you made a mistake or you had to make a change, you'd throw away the paper. Right. You'd you have to put a the clink of the you, typewriter. Exactly. You, like, exactly. Yeah. You throw away the paper. You have to put a new one in. And you have to start all over again. And then the personal computer comes around. And everything is faster. It's easier. It's way more streamlined. But there are some changes. There's some retraining that needs to be done. You have to learn this new technology. Same kind of thing is happening here in AI. So there's this massive potential. We're right in the middle of it. It's been the cornerstone of my career for 13 years. Sequoia, it's been a cornerstone right. for us for 30 years. And uh, it is just the early innings of what's going to well, be a that, very that big That brings us to the here and now, though. So you are principally a seed stage and, and Series A investor. Yes. You know, there are many that echo your sentiments. How do you actually invest yes. in that moment? So... Uh, the, f the first thing is founder-driven. Okay? Founders are always the lifeblood of the venture capital industry, the technology industry at large, and definitely the AI industry. So think back to when Sequoia started its venture in, in AI, which was 1992, when we backed at the Series A, the first investment in arguably, if not the most important AI hardware company in the world, NVIDIA. That was a founder-driven investment. That was a founder-driven investment because Jensen Huang was an exceptional engineer from a previous Sequoia company. So founder-driven, as always, with Sequoia. And then in 1999, arguably the most important at-maturity AI company, Google, was also a Sequoia investment. And that brings us all the way to today, which is a lot of great AI companies that are coming up, hundreds at this point, that we're, we're meeting, we're excited to get right. to know, and finding the most brilliant founders for what they're building in the future is what Sequoia's all about. You know, Caroline's Constantine's point, we, we see that activity on the show every mm -hmm. single day, the hundreds of new companies that he's talking about. That energy, it came from OpenAI in November of last year and then Microsoft's investment at the beginning of the year. And of course, Sequoia backs OpenAI. But I'm interested to dig in Hugging Face and then others in your portfolio, Constantine. It feels as though the rest of the VC community is rushing. It feels that regulators are having to be forced to rush. It feels as though this has taken us all by complete surprise. But you've been studying at Stanford AI. As you say, it's been the cornerstone for 13 years. Why have we suddenly been sort of had the rug pulled a bit? Okay. So you're exactly right, Caroline. This is actually decades in the making. Uh, and for, for us at Sequoia, for, for me, for our team, there's, there's, uh, this is something that we've been, been training for and excited for for decades. But there is a big exciting change, and it is exactly what you described, which is this new user interface. When I talk about the user interface, I'm hearkening back to the personal computer. When you had the graphical user interface, come out. And that was the advent of the first Microsoft Windows. Mm. That was the advent of a lot of the first Apple computers. And the point of the first graphical user interface in the personal computer revolution is that anyone could just use their mouse and click, as opposed to the old terminal-based MS-DOS that only engineers could use. 
Similarly, the LLMs that OpenAI and others have introduced make it so that anyone can use AI. You don't have to be an AI engineer. That's why we're in an incredibly important moment, because all of a sudden AI is accessible to everyone. And That's also, though, the data which it runs on is still in many ways not perfect, biases within. How are you thinking about the startups you invest in and the yes. overall regulatory environment that's going to have to play catch up in some way? Yes. Uh, no doubt. It's, it's the data and you're referring to hallucination is the term that's often used. This is absolutely top of mind for the enterprises that we're talking to. And there's several ways that are currently being addressed from an engineering and a company building perspective to improve that. And in terms of policy, there's a couple responses. One is to step back and say, hey, too powerful, too dangerous, not me. Another is to just say, hey, let it run. And the third way, which is what we take at Sequoia, what I believe is the right approach, is to say, hey, this is incredibly powerful. Let's be involved. Let's take actions to help form it safely. Let's, let's be a part of this evolution of this technology so that it can be a powerful force yeah. of good for humanity. You're sounding positive. You're sounding optimistic. In fact, we went to our own viewers. We did a Twitter poll, as we tend to do every single day, Constantine. Just take a look at the results, because we asked them whether they're pessimists or optimists around AI. Great yes. for humanity. Actually, Ed, only 22% said yes. Yeah. Yeah, and look, they're too early to tell. We hear it so often. So, Constantine, you, you've been in this field for a long time. Broadly, society is catching up, is, yes. is Caroline's point. There's a parallel I want to draw with crypto because you are, have been an active investor in the crypto industry. I think the latest was EDX Markets, right? Yeah. That is a, 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 a froth and, and bubble burst cycle. Why, why will we not see the same thing play out here in AI? Yes. So, first... I am a believer in crypto as well, but that is a separate trend for, you know, for further discussion because there's a lot of depth there too. On AI, this too early to tell point it is a critical point, and I encourage your audience to, to use AI and to actually start making it a part of their lives. You know, there's, this, there's this kind of trite quote, which is, AI is not going to take your job. A human using AI will. And I think that is a lot of, there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, the action that should be taken is to start harnessing the power of AI. If you're not using AI tools, try them out. See how they can make you better. Internally at Sequoia, we talk a lot about augmented intelligence as opposed to artificial intelligence. Yeah. Constantine, absolutely great to have you. Thank you, Sequoia Capital Partner, Constantine Bulo, with the optimistic point of view there. Time for Talking Tech. Across the pond, the United Kingdom's Competition and Markets Authority has officially started a merger inquiry into Adobe's $20 billion purchase of startup Figma. The agency set a June 30th deadline for its phase one decision. The deal, of course, also under scrutiny from regulators here in the U.S. Now, TSMC is drawing up plans to build its first chip fabrication plant in Europe. According to sources, the chipmaker is in talks with partners to spend as much as $11 billion on the new plant, which would be based in Saxony, Germany. And finally, Goldman Sachs has just named Kim Posnett as global head of TMT Banking, according to a company memo. She is a veteran dealmaker whose recent work includes Endeavor's group, Endeavor Group's $9.3 billion takeover of WWE. Carrot. A great 
array of news there. Meanwhile, let's dig into another part of the news agenda that we've got to touch because the latest on the war on Ukraine, Russia actually saying it is able to avert an attack by a pair of drones aimed to hit President Vladimir Putin's residence in Moscow Tuesday night. Blame was immediately placed on Ukraine, but without providing evidence. State Department Secretary Anthony Blinken said that he couldn't validate the reports and warned to take any Kremlin claims with a large shaker of salt. For now, Zelensky has said that it is untrue. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Caroline Hyde in New York. And I'm Ed Ludlow in San Francisco. Turning back now to yeah, AI, Ed, of course, we've got to do it. Microsoft chief, in fact, the chief economist for that particular company, Michael Schwartz, was out with a warning about the extent to which artificial intelligence will actually be dangerous in the hands of bad actors. He spoke earlier at the World Economic Forum panel in Geneva. I'm quite confident that, yes, AI will be used by bad actors. And yes, it will cause real damage. And yes, we have to be very uh, careful and very vigilant to avoid it by um, all the means possible. We have to put safeguards. Let's talk about that mix of cyber and AI. Meta out with its quarterly threat report, which showed that malware operations using, for example, ChatGPT, AI help tools as phishing links to target businesses and consumers. Joining us now is Meta's head of security policy, Nathaniel Gleischer. I just want to dig into how new malware strains you're finding are basically including posing as ChatGPT's browser extensions or productivity tools. It feels as though malware bad actors are getting in on the AI hype. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm here today because we are releasing a series of threat reports on threats we've we've countered around the world will help keep, keep people safe. One of the threats that I think is particularly useful for this business audience is malware and to be thinking about. Malware are malicious tools that are designed to look innocent, but focus on compromising personal devices, compromising your accounts, and we know that they target businesses. Mm. And as you say, malware developers always try to get in on buzzwords. They're looking for ways to trick people into downloading malware. We've seen them do it with cryptocurrency. In 2022, they tried to get people to click on links suggesting that you would get access to new cryptocurrency apps. Today, they're trying to use generative AI, suggesting if you click on a link, you might get access to ChatGPT or another generative AI tool when actually you'd be downloading malware. Fascinating. Just who within a business is the most vulnerable? Who are going to be being sent these links? I think businesses should be conscious that malware actors target indiscriminately. They will target across the business, including maybe people who are connected to prominent leaders or individuals that might just uh, be operating in the business and, for example, maintaining or administering the business's social media pages. The good news for all of this, though, is that there's a number of things, fairly simple things, that people can do and businesses can do to keep themselves safe, whether that's turning on two-factor authentication, or using strong and unique passwords across their online accounts. And we are rolling out a series of new protections for businesses to help them strengthen their defenses on Meta and also to help them protect against malware wherever it might target them, whether that's on their devices, on their other online accounts, or on our platforms. Nathaniel, this is a story about bad actors posting URLs that purport to take you to a chat GPT-like product, right? That's what you've detected. Correct. But what I want to know is have you detected threat actors who are actually using the technology, using generative AI to make the content they post on your platforms harder to detect? 
we haven't seen significant, sophisticated campaigns relying on generative AI today. We do know that bad actors try to abuse every new piece of technology. So we expect that they're going to try to abuse generative AI, just like they've tried to abuse other innovations in recent years. That's why it's particularly important that defender teams at Meta and at other companies around the world, including in government and civil society, are thinking about how these abuses might happen and steps we can take to protect people and counter the bad actors. Cisco warned that AI would make phishing attacks harder to detect. Do you share Cisco's concern? We've seen some limited examples of people using AI-based tools to, for example, create profile pictures that, uh, of people who don't exist but look realistic. We've seen some cases of people trying to use generative AI tools to produce deepfake videos. So these threats are certainly out there, and it's important to be ready to counter them. That's why you need to have analyst teams that hunt for this type of thing. And the other side of generative AI is that generative AI has a lot of incredibly positive potentials. And one of them is helping defenders who are looking to protect public debate improve their detection and response systems so we can keep people safe. Does it particularly matter where it's coming from, Nathaniel? You identified Ducktail in particular. That's a Vietnam-based cyber criminal operation. Is it a lot coming from there? Can you see where a lot of this attack is stemming from? Malware development happens all over the world, and it can be hard to tell exactly where the actors are or where they're coming from. When we are able to identify a particular company or a particular actor who's behind it, we'll take additional steps to deter them and impose cost on them. So for example, for some of the people developing this malware, we referred them to law enforcement for further investigation and we sent cease and desist letters. We often see or sometimes see companies that try to seem legitimate, but also operate on the dark side of all of this and try to share malware. And for companies like that, you can impose a lot of cost on them by highlighting this, by exposing what they're doing, and by bringing law enforcement and government to bear against them. Of course, Ed, what's interesting is we're wondering about a very global cyber attack threat. We're thinking and talking to a global company that, of course, has rechanged its name, talking itself about the metaverse, but also deeply ingrained in investing in AI in some way, Ed. Yeah. I mean, Nathaniel, I covered meta earnings. Mark Zuckerberg really emphasizing meta's competence in the field of AI, right? So how do you you and the security team use artificial intelligence as a tool, how can it help you? Generative AI is a novel and fast developing technology. There are a lot of places where it can have real impact, medicine, education. But I do think one of the interesting opportunities is in what we would call integrity, trust and safety, keeping people safe. You can quickly be able to identify and track and counter threats around the world. When we're moving in a global environment where there are many, many countries and there are billions of users and there are many threat actors, everything we can do to help move more quickly in countering these threats is effective. We work to pair those types of automated tools with expert human investigators who can track and counter the most sophisticated threat actors. And tying these together, pairing them up has been most effective in countering the bad guys. All right, Nathaniel Gleischer of Meta, thank you for bringing us your latest report. Another story that we're following, TikTok's head of trust and safety for the U.S. is leaving the company. The senior official in charge of ensuring user safety is departing amid increased pressure for the U.S. government to ban the app. Eric Hahn had been one of the most prominent officials in TikTok's effort to convince lawmakers that the app is safe for U.S. users. Caroline. Meanwhile, Ed, look, coming up. 
With more on tech, more on competition between China and the US with someone who calls it the most important war of the next two decades, the techno-economic war. We'll of course be joined by none other than Kosler Ventures founder Vinod Kosler. What if everyone at work were an expert communicator? What if every doc, message and email they wrote was perfectly clear and concise? Inbox numbers would drop. Customer satisfaction scores would rise and everyone would be more productive. That's where Grammarly comes in. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner that understands your business and can transform it through better communication. Companies that use Grammarly save an average of 19 days per employee per year. That's because with Grammarly's AI, what used to take a few hours only takes a few clicks, like generating an instant first draft in your company voice or tailoring a message to your specific audience and goals. And Grammarly's personalized on-brand writing help is built in everywhere your team works, across 500,000 apps and websites. Plus, it's safe, secure, and already IT-approved. Join 70,000 teams who trust Grammarly with their words and their data. Learn more at Grammarly.com. Grammarly. Easier said. Done. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Time now for our VC Roundup and starting with LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman and DeepMind co-founder Mustafa Suleiman, who have their own AI startup, who would have thought, and they're rolling out a chatbot called Pi, which stands for Personal Intelligence. And it's intended to serve as a supportive personal companion that gives friendly advice. Meanwhile, let's look at the VC firm Axel. It's refocusing its India Accelerator program on, who guessed it, AI startups. Now, the firm will choose as many as half a dozen early-stage startups to fund, to mentor, and that's starting this month. It's also targeting companies that use technology to make more conventional industrial processes all the more efficient. Ed. A stick with all things venture capital, all things AI, with Coastler Ventures founder Vinod Coastler, who joins us for today's VC Spotlight here in San Francisco. Let's go to AI. It's all that anyone <laughs> wants to talk about. I mean, OpenAI was the first big check that you wrote, right? And we wrote the first very large check in OpenAI that we've done. Yes. Uh, first venture capital firm along with some individuals. So fast forward to present day, there, there is a hype cycle mm-hmm. around artificial intelligence. And half of your field of of VC peers talk about, well, we've been doing this for a decade. And then half are getting into it anew. How do you assess what's happening? Well, everybody wants to get on the bandwagon because it is a major trend. And it is a major trend. 
so not surprising people claiming they've been doing it for a decade. I wrote about it extensively about 10 years ago, and then four years ago, we invested in OpenAI. Five, six years ago, we had a whole bunch of other startups we invested in, in the same area. Uh, and so it is an exciting trend. It is hard to predict exactly how fast it is developing or how fast it will develop. Every day you see new changes. But it is exciting. And it's exciting from both a business point of view as well as a technology capability point of view. Is OpenAI the only game in town? Is it just the clear leader in this field right now? No, in, in America, there's a lot of interesting startups in this area. Google, of course, is a very credible player. And then there's other startups that are credible, too, trying to make a go at it. Uh, I think the leader always has a huge advantage. What about leadership coming from China, Vinod? Because I know you keep a keen eye on what you really see as a competitive threat, the new war of the next couple of decades, techno-economic. Oh, absolutely. I probably worry more about a Chinese AI doing bad things than anything to do with AI itself going sentient or the kinds of things Elon mm. Musk talks about. Uh, not that that's not a concern. Uh, China is going to be our big enemy in this. We, I believe we are in a techno-economic war with China for economic dominance and hence dominance of political systems to go with it. Okay, so do the risk-reward for us here at the moment or balance the risks. When you're talking to regulators, as you have done, if you talk to people in power, you've been over there in, in Washington, you had a coming together, of course, the Hill and Valley Forum where you gathered VCs and tech community to talk to, well, government. Do you want them to regulate how we use AI in the wild in the U.S. at the moment? Or are you more worried about the regulation of China and money flowing there to build their own AI? Well, I'm much more worried about the competitive picture with China than about regulation here. I think it's too early to regulate uh, AI. We don't know enough about it. Uh, I do think we should heavily fund safety research, especially in the universities and third parties. Uh, but Regulating it would be a real mistake and put us behind China in, in the race. And the race, it does feel, is something that VCs, that Peter Thiel, that Vinod, you're talking about, Ed, and, and also a relationship yeah. that's being built a little bit more firmly between DC and Silicon Valley, where you sit. Yeah, I, I think for me, you know, the question, Vinod, is what was the upshot of the Hill and Valley Forum? You know, that, that we, we reported on it, we discussed about the relationship between D.C. and Silicon Valley. Hmm. What has happened as a result? Well, there's clearly a lot of interest in this question, not only AI and AI regulation, but equally importantly on our AI race with China. My interest is highlighting how important that issue is and how much we should focus on the race with China for technology supremacy here. Um, I do think there'll be multiple players, but I do think there will be winners that ha take a disproportionate part of the economic pie. And I think the U.S. model is well set up for it, but it's not obvious that we can win or we will win in 20 years from now. You said economic pie, so I'm going to do a small pivot. There is a Fed meeting today. We expect a 25 basis point hike. We talk daily about tighter financial conditions. 
VC of your experience and your scale, how does that impact the ecosystem that you are operating in? Well, Fed rate hikes affect short-term things. You know, when we invest in OpenAI four years ago, we don't expect liquidity for six, seven, eight years. So I'd have to predict the market in 2030 and the Fed rate in 2030 uh, to really have it impact our Very popular within this organization, if you could. <laughs> Uh, so my goal is really to focus on what adds substantial societal value and because of that economic value and what will be true in terms of real value add to society in 2030 if I'm going to make good investments. So our focus is much longer term than short-term interest rate hikes and all. Now that enable more or less financing to happen in the interim, so we do pay attention to it, but mostly we ignore it. Yeah, financing and interim. I mean, Caroline, for all the volatility in public markets and from a policy perspective, we see checks getting written by Mm. VCs to venture-founded startups. And largely in the realm of AI at the moment, Vinod. To that extent, are you writing a lot of checks? What sort of size of company are you most looking for at the moment in this new environment? Uh, We are writing a lot of checks. We are being aggressive. But I would say there's many more bad AI startups than good startups. Uh, And it's very hard to differentiate if you're not experienced with AI. So I do think lots of bad investments will be made. But overall, more money will be made than lost. Even even if 90% of the startups fail, which they will. Interesting. And of course, that's often the bet. Look, that you will have failures, but you'll then have from those absolutely extraordinary success that gives the money and the returns to VCs. But, you know, in this current environment, we're talking a lot about so-called zombie companies, the companies that have massive valuations but can't vindicate the growth at the moment, having to make cutbacks, having to think more about revenue driving, profit driving. What are you doing with those companies at the moment that just had huge valuations that perhaps don't have the run rate that they used to? Well, there are clearly founder choices to be made. Good founders are responding to the environment by saying, let's ignore what happened in the past. Let's ignore our old valuation and focus in on how we create value for the next few years and not worry about what the valuation was. So founders have to fundamentally decide whether to cater to investors or to the reality of the business they're in. And most of the good founders I know are really focusing in in on what they need to do to build a great business and hope that investors will get on board later and not worry about short-term perception of valuation. There are other deeply technical areas that you are passionate about and that you are investing in, climate or energy-related, and one of them is fusion. Um, You've written op-eds about this because AI has dominated headlines, we talked about it less, but can you just explain why you're so focused on that area? Well, if you look at Commonwealth Fusion, which is an investment we made uh, about four years ago, five years ago, before there was a company, actually. Uh, we started working with Bob Mumgard when he was a senior fellow at the MIT Fusion Lab. Uh, it was very clear. If you crack fusion as a technology, it was one of the largest markets in the world, much, much larger than, for example, Google's market, because energy markets are very large. And so that is exciting. You can lose one times your money. You can make a thousand times your money. That's a pretty good trade-off. 
you know, we're up against commercial breaks so very quickly. Is it a good time to be a venture capitalist? I think it's a great time be, to be a venture capitalist. Most of the large companies are cutting off their ex, uh, advanced projects. And so the best people leave to start companies. That's the raw material we need, great talent. And there's plenty of capital. So it's a great time. The next five years will look really, really good. Oh, you've got to be optimistic in this game. It's great to have some time <laughs> with you. Thank you, Vinod Kozla of Kozla Ventures, the founder there, of course. It's been going viral. Nordstrom plans to give up its store in downtown San Francisco. The company will vacate more than 300,000 square feet of space at Westfield San Francisco Center. That's on Market Street, a shopping and tourist area in the heart of downtown. It also plans to get this shut its nearby Nordstrom rack. Now, the move follows others like Office Depot, Anthropology, also shutting down their Market Street adjacent locations. It says the city just struggles with empty office buildings and crime concerns. And Ed, I felt that, like having lived there briefly in 2016 and then coming back right. to see you as I love to do, Market Street is just an extraordinary place nowadays. There is nothing to go to, nothing to buy. And when you do go into the Macy's there, for example, it's empty. Yeah, and it, you know, it follows on from the Whole Foods decision, right, to close that downtown store around a year after it opened. There is a big discussion in this city about what went wrong on Market Street. Remember, they tried to bring in tech, mm. Twitter and Uber's offices. They gave them incentives to do so to regenerate the area, but it hasn't worked. What do you make, though, of the cynicism that you see in social media as it goes viral, everyone sort of wringing their hands? Do we need to be as desperate as some of the sentiment seems? Yeah, look, I think that there is a lot of people calling on the mayor and the DA to take action at street level to fix that part of town. But there is definitely a tech and broader economic story there that we'll continue to cover on this program. And that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.